0: Thanks for tuning in to our podcast series Inside Impact Investing. In this episode, we're going to talk about the sense and nonsense of impact investing. I'm Hans Tegeman, and with me is Sasha Beslik, Chief Investment Strategy Officer at SDG Impact Japan. Sasha is a well known voice about sustainable investing and quite outspoken about the rights and wrongs of sustainable finance. And you can follow all what he says on LinkedIn. Welcome, Sasha.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Sustainable investing has become from niche to less or more mainstream. ESG investing, impact investing, ethical investing, and everything is growing. More recently, especially impact investing is also gaining traction. Are they the solution to our many challenges? from inequality, climate change, biodiversity loss. And are we on the right track? And will we be able to allocate enough capital to finance the necessary transitions? Sasha, since we're talking about global challenges, uh, it's also nice for you to be be in Japan. But of course, you have a lot of experience also in, in Europe and you have been part, I think, of the growing sustainable investing community, but also very critical. So that's also why we want to talk with you And to discuss a little bit about the current state of our sustainable investments and and especially where do we go from here. But maybe start with the beginning. If you look at the growing supply of all kinds of ESG funds and, and, and all kinds of differences, how do you see it? Is it going in the right direction?
1: You know, it, this is a very complex question, but for your audience, I think what the, the short answer to, to your question is not yet. And what I mean by that is the fact that most of the, what you can see on the market today, and I'm talking about the American, European market, even Asian market, is very much a lipstick on a pig thing because it's not really addressing the underlying needs for capital allocation. What I mean with capital allocation is investing in the solutions that really make a difference, and that create tangible results. So what you have today is the uh, basically tech tech dominated ESG plain vanilla type of funds, which are uh, trying to uh, portray themselves as change makers. In the same time, if you look under under the hood of many of these investments, what you can see is that. It's very little evidence that they are making any tangible improvements within the companies. Now I'm talking about the listed equity side, or the private equity side is a different story. But listed equity side, it's it's uh, it's very hard to to assess what tangible difference do they actually make.
0: Yeah, and c- can you explain a, a little bit more because what we see is that the biggest volume of what we call sustainable investments on the listed side is only I think ESG integration, and At least my opinion on this, that has nothing to do with sustainability. That's only risk mitigation.
1: Exactly. And you're completely right. And I think, you know, you know what the reason for this is? I've been actually trying to figure this out because I've been in the industry uh, in many years and I've been thinking, so what is the reason that integrated funds are selling so much? And the reason is that banking advisors and the people who are actually selling these product distributors mm-hmm. have a very easy, it's very easy to sell an integrated product because it's not a sort of a, as bad as it could be, but it's not really sort of a tree-hugging product. So it's something in between. You know, you do a little bit of, of good things and it's easy to explain. So we look at some things and we think it's relevant when it is it is relevant. And we take that into account when we think it's relevant. And, uh, you know, if you're a client on the other side and if, if you're going to choose between the mainstream, you know, non-taking into account ESG issues, not taking into a cl- climate, and then you have an integrated product that's is doing a little bit of that, and you think it's, it's probably a better solution. So... The conclusion is the banks and asset managers have been much better of educating their staff to sell integrated products. And that's the reason why the inflows are so big in these kind of products.
0: Yeah, but at least if, if you look to it, very critical, you say that it's, it's a little bit better, but it's not the right word for integrated products that it's only less bad. Yeah. And it's not, because I'm always thinking clients expect that if you buy a sustainable product that it would make the world better than it is now.
1: But that's the assumption that clients are... Uh, basically, if you're a client, and I've de- dealt with a lot of retail clients over the years, if you're a client, you're expecting, when you buy something, it expect to give you some kind of a result. You see, the biggest problem in the financial industry in general is on the ESG side, is that we've been selling, I mean, as an industry and overselling promises of the improvements but we have had difficulties to show results and this is the thing that is you know this is criticizing the ESG in its core because it has been taken over and I've said and I've written about this it has been taken over by marketing and PR you know people and uh, because of the higher fees you can actually make more money on this yeah and
0: this also relates to to the or maybe it's a different angle, but it relates to the, to the debates you see mostly in the Anglo-Saxon media about ESG, Yeah, where they say it doesn't help anything. It's only ethical stuff. And why should we do it? It's a different angle, but it also criticizes uh, ESG in general. What would you say if you have maybe you have an uh, American investor that's also coming to you and say, oh uh, yeah, as ESG is all bad. What's your answer then?
1: You know, it's it's for me. It's it's uh, the ESG is a, it's it's a revolutionary, it's a disruptive uh, approach to investments where you actually try, as an investor, to take into account what is in traditional financial theory seen as externalities. You try to f- to figure out. What does it actually mean for a company to tackle externalities and how does it affect its business? And then you as investors, what you can make out of it. Can you make money on it in the long term? Or you know how can you address, through the means of your investments, how you can address certain risks that are related to broader society? So for me, the view that ESG is not contributing to create uh, improvements among the companies and, you know, better returns. It's just something that is extremely stupid. And it's stupid from a perspective that it is, in many cases, at least a risk management tool. It actually helps you to invest in companies that are less risky and more stable. Now, on the opportunity side, that's another, another story. It's a much longer debate, much longer discussion. But, you know, I've dealt with American investors over the years. I think the American investors are uh, very uh, trapped into the this box thinking, you know, uh, assigning a lot of very uh, political things to ESG, although ESG in itself is supported by many American companies, So, which is very strange, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's strange. So we we discussed a little bit ESG. Uh, I think next level sustainability should be something like impact investing or yeah. at least having a clear purpose of doing something good. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that's also what you told me before. Uh, your funds currently in Japan are what we call Article 9 funds. So yeah. in European legislation language it's called uh, so, so they're impact funds. Also our three yeah. of those funds are only Article 9. Is that good enough?
1: I think it's going to evolve. And you asked me in the beginning what do, do I think, you know, where we are today and where we're going. I think we are in a, in a crossroads in the, in the ESG space you will have what I call almost like an ESG purge, that you will have a lot of funds that have been labeled themselves as integrated, even to some extent Article 9. They are pulling back their brochures, they are pulling back descriptions because they cannot live up to it because they're going to be sued and get fines and all of this. But I think, you know, the, the the ESG as a as an approach into into investments as an approach within the financial industry is actually not used where it makes the most difference and that's in the places in the world in Africa you know, Southeast Asia South America where you really need these kind of investments to make things happen on the ground so yeah. the next thing for me probably is impact yes a completely hundred percent measurable you know objectives driven tangible impact but also regional things. Yeah. I mean, look look at the offering that you have in the world. The most of it, it's it's a plain vanilla global type of thing. It's not regional. It doesn't make a difference.
0: And if you if you talk, I think that's that's interesting. Regionalization that would also imply probably different. At least if I look to our products, so we're very strict on our ESG, on our what we call uh, exclusionary criteria. Yeah, but we don't have the data if we go in into Africa or something. What would your approach then be to have, so you want to have impact, but you don't want to do bad. And you always have to make somewhere compromise, especially when you go in, in, uh, in other countries.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, you know, think about it like a football league. Mm-hmm. You have a premier league and you have a second league and you have a third league. The better you get, the more you sort of raise into the ranks and eventually you play in the Premier League, you cannot expect company in Indonesia or in Botswana to report in the same way as Swedish or Dutch company. It doesn't work that way. They just don't have a capacity to do it. But maybe they have the right management, they have the right ambition, they have the right type of business. So we will need to adjust many of these things on the regional level. By saying that, we are compromising with the idea that one solution, one framework fits all, but... We are actually, what we are doing is pushing down the ESG where it actually makes a difference, which is in many of these countries, in many of the businesses that really need to shift. Yeah,
0: I agree. Uh, But I'm also thinking this this also relates to when do your investments also, for instance, for you in Japan or for, for us in Europe or in the US or in Japan, can have the biggest impact. And what we do as Triodos is uh, excluding a lot of stuff <laughs> and and looking for the positive impact. But in the, in the end, you're only busy with uh, the front runners that, where you invest in, and then you want to engage with them and say you should do better. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think that might not be the best approach to have the biggest impact on, on a transition. So forward looking on how the world could evolve. Maybe it's also better for us to sometimes go into more dirty companies or less performing companies. Um, to But then a prerequisite to do that is also that you have the power to engage and to change those companies. How do you view that?
1: I mean, look, in Japan, we're investing. What I'm doing in Japan is that we're investing in the Japanese mid-caps that are on a, a temperature transition on the business model is between two to four degrees. Mm-hmm. So, And what we have done is that we have spent almost a year... Like pre-screening companies, not screening, but pre-screening companies on the ability of the management to to basically engage on the topics that we believe are you know relevant for the business. So, you know, it's it's almost like a bit of a reversal sort of a perspective. So we are we are trying to pre-engage to say okay. Uh, are you uh, you know willing to engage with investors on these kind of things? These are the KPIs we would like to set. Can we agree these KPIs? Can we track you over time? I think we also need to change the, the, the investment horizon from one year, which is the, as you know, most common way of uh, uh, evaluating the performance, uh, to, to move that to three to five years. And that will allow us investors, but also companies, to shift many of the things in a completely different way. So I think, you know, we need to, embrace the longevity you know long-term investing in a real sense saying that you know what, what i'm selling to my clients is not one year uh, performance i'm selling them three to five years yeah. i want them to stick with me for time yeah
0: and then also if you uh, i think we we do kind of the same in in terms of what we call an, a first impact scan or uh, so to see if the company is willing also a little bit to to go in the same direction but we all it's, it's also challenging because, of course, sometimes the management say, yeah, of course, we want to change. And and what do you do? How do you track that? And how do you have meaningful engagement? Is it also being invested big enough in those companies to have the stewardship or is it just having the no, right conversation?
1: No. no, I think it's a right conversation, but it's also in-depth knowledge. Mm-hmm. So if I look at the companies that we are investing in, one of the, the main takeaways that we have is that they certainly lack a lot of knowledge about what they can actually do. So it's almost that you have a role of advising the company how they can shift certain things in their business model to tap into the opportunities, but also to manage the risk. So, you know, we spend a lot of time with, with the companies. I meet Japanese companies now on a weekly basis. And the, one of the sort of a big takeaways is that the urge, the need they have for knowledge, and also the, 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 the management is pushing very hard people in the, in the organization to really find ways how they can adjust their business towards, you know, international standards towards the global benchmark and so on.
0: Yeah. And you're doing this now for half a year, a little bit longer, maybe already.
1: Yeah, I, I, a bit of, a bit longer. I mean, the fund is up and running since 6th of, of uh, April. We are performing the benchmark topics by 5%, which is in this market fantastic. But this is again, this is now, we are talking about three to five years. I want to be able to say to my clients, in five years, this is what we committed that we will do with the companies. This is the result. This is what you get.
0: Yeah. So. Let's zoom out a little bit and, and look at, for the last few minutes, a little bit about the the, the state of play in the total industry and where it should go, yeah. where do we want it to go, and what's needed for that. From my side, I think, yes, partly we see regulation helps transparency, but it also gives a lot of extra costs for the industry, and we're mostly regulating the sustainability part. Well, maybe we should regulate the rest. Yes. That's one point. And the second point is it's also about the real economy. So finance in itself is nothing as long as the real economy is also not right. going in a more sustainable right. dire- direction. Right. What do you think? Will finance really help to move to a sustainable world or is, is it only marketing?
1: By itself, I mean, as you describe it very well, it's, it's re- the finance is reflecting, the mirroring the real economy. Mm-hmm. By itself, I don't see that finance will, you know, it will be bits and pieces that will be better you know, depending on where they're where the sort of awake, you make most of the money in a short period of time. But I think without the regulation, increased push on the regulation side, you will really not see this shift. And you can see that in the US. Now, today, that was information that came out, at least here in Japan, that the Security Exchange Commission is looking to scrap the Scope 3 requirement for financial industry yeah. and you know, that will completely change the dynamics. Then suddenly it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, the scope three is the big problem. So that's where you want to have a regulation. Yeah. yeah.
0: So we need more regulation, but also when I'm in a very cynical mood, sometimes uh, I am, um, then I'm thinking, what What are we doing then trying to move something? while well, we know it also depends on the real economy. For, for me, the answer would be at least to give an example that you can make different choices. But I sometimes also wonder, is that enough?
1: Yeah, we have a choices and I agree with you, but these choices are pretty much very often limited. But, but and they are limited in a scale so mm-hmm. if you want to see you know changes in the agricultural sector if we talk about Europe you want a scalable solutions that actually shift the entire industry you can find the pockets of interesting things but not on the scale and I think that boils down also to fiduciary duty it boils down to the how you regulate companies you know financial statements and climate uh, you know, uh, climate as a part of the financial statement of European companies, as you said, there are other things that should be regulated, not only the way how the products that we are selling, I mean, funds, investments are regulated.
0: Yeah, sorry, I agree. This is not the intention that we always agree, but I think we, we <laughs> no, completely no, 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 agree but on this point. Yeah. Maybe to end, for you personally, for the next few years,
1: when will you think your job or what you do is a success? When I see a tangible material change for people that are working for that business or in the supply chain, when I see uh, when I meet them, and see that what we as investors are doing are changing things for real, uh, you know, it could be you know in my previous work that I can help increase living wages for uh, supply chain people in uh, Southeast Asia. It could be that I improve working hours and health and safety for miners in Africa. You know, uh, things that actually affect people, real people producing things for us. Yeah. And is it
0: not the ultimate way where also regulation has to go, where everything has to go? What are the real economy consequences of we do with investments? So really tying it to the outcomes in the
1: real economy. Yeah, I agree with you. But you see, the thing is that politicians are playing a bit with financial industry because what they're saying to us is that we should deploy our capital in a more sustainable, responsible way. In Europe, they are giving us the taxonomy on climate within the E, and the, the, the one on S issues or social issues has been shelved. It's not even on the table. The problem we have is that we are supposed to take into account externalities that are not Companies are not expected to actually do something about. So there's this, this mismatch about, it's almost a mism- expectational mismatch. And you can you can have investors, I mean, uh, what I'm doing with Japanese companies, they will ask me, you know what they asked me today? I had a couple of meetings today. They asked me, why should I produce the product lifecycle environmental impact on a product level when that is not required by my clients in Europe? Because that's the externality. That's extra cost for me to take that information. So these are the things that we need to change. Underlying the economic model, underlying economic model needs to change.
0: Yeah, that's a big task to get systemic change through our investment processes. But I think we're on the same pace, uh, Sasha, to at least try to make a difference and also to address that systemic problems and to have a dialogue on it.
1: Yeah yeah but Hans I'm also thinking about we need to change educational curriculums you Absolutely. know in, in in universities in schools in yeah. because we are educating every year you know i get people that are educated financial analysts they have no idea how to analyze environmental performance of the company it's like crazy with 2022 it's 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 not how it should be
0: yeah maybe we should abolish uh, CFA to start with and then we have a new curriculum.
1: Yes, and or probably we, what we could do is to, to completely reform, you know, CFA. Yeah.
0: And I think as long as we have this this systemic problems, and I agree also in education, but also with our clients to understand products and also what you explained, what what you do and what we do, takes also a lot more effort to really engage with companies. And
1: resources, and resources yeah. and yeah. time. And it's very costly, you know. The thing is that, you know, I think... Generally, and this is something that you touched upon in the beginning, I think the industry, ESC industry, is very lazy. Yeah. it's very lazy from a perspective that you know, when I run, uh, when I was running a big teams in Nordics, uh, everybody uh, was uh, you know wanting to go to big conferences in New York, in and London, and, and Amsterdam, but nobody wanted to go to a mine in South Africa or <laughs> to uh, South America because uh, you know it's 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 the, it's our industry as well it's it's very comfortable you know you don't want to why do you do extra mile You doesn't you don't need to do that
0: yeah maybe that's a conclusion
1: it's too comfortable yeah for a lot of people in the
0: industry yeah we have to do extra effort so it will cost us a lot of effort but it also will cost our clients probably more so we need to have them to understand what is needed to change the industry and we need to reform the education. Well, that's an interesting list after 25 minutes of talking with you. <laughs> I think we can go on forever. Yes, yes. But thanks for now, Sasha. Thank you. And thanks for listening for our listeners. Don't forget to tune in next time. Subscribe to our channel, Inside Impact Investing, and let us know what you think. Bye.